0: Welcome to the emdocs.net podcast. The goal of this podcast is for us to briefly review some of the high-yield posts from our site. This episode covers therapies in COVID-19. First, looking at antivirals, and second, at hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. The original antiviral post was released on March 30th, and the hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine post on April 6th. However, there have been some major updates in the literature concerning these agents. Today we are going to focus on these and provide some more insights. Please go to the accompanying post for the podcast as we have a lot more information with references for all the studies we discussed today.
1: Antiviral medications have become one of the main focuses of potential treatment options Remdesivir is a nucleotide analog RNAs polymerase inhibitor that has previously been tested in a limited number of patients with Ebola, SARS, and MERS. One of the first studies evaluating remdesivir was an industry-sponsored case series of 61 patients, which found clinical improvement in 36 patients. But there were some significant limitations, including no control group, unclear patient selection, and inclusion of what seems to be healthier patients, very poor information about patients included, a no clear primary endpoint. A randomized controlled trial of admitted patients with COVID-19, which included 158 receiving remdesivir versus 79 receiving placebo, found no difference in clinical improvement and no impact on viral load. This study was also stopped early. The IDSA states remdesivir should not be used outside of a clinical trial. While it may be promising, we need further high-quality RCT data that includes patients earlier in the disease course where viral replication occurs.
0: Great points, Manny. And for that RCT data, the preliminary report of the ACT-1 trial was just released. This trial is a multi-center, placebo-controlled RCT on remdesivir. Patients were recruited from 60 separate sites in several different countries. They included patients with COVID-19 who had radiographic pulmonary infiltrates, an oxygen saturation less than 94%, or those requiring supplemental oxygen, and those who were mechanically ventilated or receiving ECMO. Now you do have to look at their exclusion criteria, which are pretty important. Patients were excluded if their liver function tests were five times the upper limit of normal, if they had impaired renal function as determined by an estimated GFR, but they really don't give an actual cutoff for this acceptable GFR. There was a need for hemodialysis or hemofiltration, or if the patient was pregnant or breastfeeding. The major outcome was time to clinical recovery, defined as either discharge from the hospital or remaining in the hospital solely for the purpose of isolation. For this primary outcome, medium time to recovery was 11 days for the remdesivir group versus 15 days in the placebo group. So it looks like remdesivir might help with recovery. But when it comes to mortality, which is another outcome, really it depends on how you crunch these numbers. Now honestly, they looked at mortality at 14 days, which is really early. And I don't think we can draw strong conclusions regarding mortality from the study. What about subgroup analysis? Well, they did find that remdesivir hastened recovery in mildly ill patients, but there was no sign of benefit for patients on high-flow oxygen, those receiving non-invasive ventilation, or those who were mechanically ventilated. These subgroup analyses were underpowered and really aren't conclusive. When it comes to safety data, there was no signal of harm due to remdesivir. Finally, what about weaknesses? Well, unfortunately, this trial has a lot of missing data when it comes to laboratory test results, viral load, and most importantly, renal function. The bottom line from this study is that remdesivir probably hastens recovery by a couple of days, but the available evidence suggests no impact on mortality. The next agent is a combination of lopinavir, a protease inhibitor for HIV, and rotinavir, a CYP inhibitor that increases lopinavir bioavailability. This combination drug has typically been used to treat HIV and has demonstrated some in vitro effects on MERS and SARS-CoV-1. An open-label single-center RCT published in the New England Journal of Medicine, including 199 patients with COVID-19, failed to demonstrate an improvement against standard care in terms of time to clinical improvement, mortality, or percentage of patients with detectable viral RNA at various time points. Authors were also able to exclude patients if they thought the combination was not in the patient's best interest, the study wasn't blinded, and most importantly, patients weren't treated until day 13 of illness. At this point of a COVID-19 infection, cytokine storm is a more pressing matter and antivirals likely won't work. In addition, there were four cases of serious GI adverse events in the treatment group, including acute gastritis and lower GI bleeding. This study had a mortality rate of almost 23%, which is significantly higher than the current reported mortality rate in other studies of hospitalized patients with COVID-19.
1: The third medication in this class under evaluation is a combination of interferon alpha and ribavirin. Interferon alpha inhibits viral infection by inducing host immune responses, while ribavirin is a guanosine analog that disrupts replication of multiple RNA viruses. A study released in May in the Lancet evaluated the combination of interferon-beta-1b, lopinavir-retinavir combination, also known as Kaletra, and ribavirin versus Kaletra alone with no placebo group. This multicenter open-label RCT recruited 127 patients who presented within 14 days of symptoms. Their primary outcome was timed to negative nasopharyngeal swab, with secondary outcomes including timed resolution of symptoms, hospital length of stay, mortality at 30 days, Daily viral load changes the first seven days in frequency and duration of adverse events, specifically nausea and diarrhea. The median time for symptom onset to the start of the treatment was five days. For the most part, patients were only mildly ill. The combination treatment group demonstrated shorter time to negative nasopharyngeal swab, time to alleviation of symptoms, hospital length of stay, and time to negative viral load. There was no difference in adverse events. However, there was no placebo group. There were unclear consecutive enrollment, the primary outcome was not patient-centered, it was open-label, and there were no critically ill patients. The important aspect of this study is that patients were treated relatively early compared to other studies, but patients overall were generally well. Further study is needed, but the medication combination is promising.
0: The bottom line is that the IDSA does not recommend these medications outside of a clinical trial. We honestly need more study regarding treatment within the time frame of viral replication, including blinded RCTs. Now, for our next agents, there was initially a great deal of support for hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. These medications alter endosomal pH and are thought to reduce viral replication. Initial studies released in preprint form suggested promising findings. A study released in March stated chloroquine was safe and effective in China. After that. Two observational studies released in France found improved viral clearance. But, as discussed in the EM Docs post release on April 6, there were some major issues. The first observational study primarily looked at viral clearance on day six, with no patient-centered outcomes. And the second had no control group. Basically, significant bias, lack of adequate controls, and poor blinding, among many other problems, severely limit the clinical implications. Manny, have there been any RCTs published?
1: In late March, a pilot pre publication RCT was released that compared 30 patients receiving hydroxychloroquine to standard care, but it found no real difference in viral swabs or patient outcomes. A second RCT was released in pre publication format, including 62 patients with COVID 19. This study was non blinded and included patients with mild disease with primary outcomes of time to recovery. This meant no fever and no cough for 72 hours. Authors found hidoxychloricin decreased times by about one day, but when evaluating the trial registration there were some major problems. There was supposed to be a placebo group and the study was stopped early. While it was declared positive, there are again too many problems to declare a positive trial. Since these questionable positive studies, several high quality studies have been released. A multicenter open labeled trial of 150 patients with mild COVID nineteen symptoms found no difference in symptoms or rates of negative conversion. However, there were significant increases in adverse events in those receiving treatment at 30% versus 9%. Britt, what have you found in the literature?
0: A double-blind RCT conducted in Brazil compared two doses of chloroquine, 600 mg BID for 10 days, versus 400 mg BID on day one, followed by 450 mg daily for four days. While authors were supposed to enroll 440 patients, they stopped at 81 because mortality was higher in the chloroquine group. A chart review of 368 patients admitted in the United States also found significantly higher rates of death in patients receiving hydroxychloroquine compared to those who were not at 28% versus 11%. Finally, another observational study including 1,376 patients in New York City found those receiving hydroxychloroquine did worse. But with propensity matching, authors did not find a difference in time of death or intubation rate. Currently, the IDSA only recommends use of these medications in the setting of a clinical trial. It's tough to discount the significant harms found in several of the higher quality studies, with really no positive outcomes.
1: Thanks, Brid. This rounds out our summary of the key EM docs Thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for our next episode. Feel free to comment on our site and let us know if you have any feedback. Stay safe and healthy, everyone.